2: Brains, they're bored. They're they're really just bored. We are sitting and waiting for the moment where college football begins to fill our television screens and joy comes back in our lives. So what do we do to pass the time? We start over-projecting. We look at every move made in the offseason via the transfer portal, on the recruiting trail, coaching searches, and determine, is a team about ready to build off of productive last season, or are they in a world of hurt entering 2024? But the best way to know the national narrative around certain programs is by looking at the way too early top 25 rankings. On3 recently unveiled theirs and Texas A&M made an appearance inside the top 25 despite finishing 7-6 and last year and firing Jimbo Fisher to the tune of $76 million. Which leads to the ultimate question. Is Texas A&M getting a little bit too much love going into 2024? Welcome into the SEC Unfiltered. It's Cole Thompson here. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. Hit the ring notification. That way you don't miss a single episode of SEC Unfiltered. Comment. Do you think Texas A&M is getting a little bit too much hype entering the Mike Elko era? Tell your friends, your family, your mortal enemies, your best of bros about this channel. Follow me on social media and on my own YouTube channel at Mr. Cole Thompson. Follow us on social media, Twitter, X, Instagram, TikTok. We got you covered there at SEC Unfiltered. And to keep up with all the best SEC news daily, make sure you visit SECUnfiltered.com. So Texas a and what to make of them going into 2024? This is a team that does have the potential to really break out going into next season because of change was needed. And they still have a roster filled with five-star and four-star talents that eventually could end up being household names in the SEC. But we also have to realize where Texas A&M is after last season. Jimbo Fisher finally was willing to make changes, changes that were probably necessary after the 2021 season when you went eight and four after you were expected to build off of a nine and one Orange Bowl finish. Well, that didn't happen. Daryl Dickey stayed on cast as the offensive coordinator, which really meant Jimbo Fisher was still running the offense, which ended up leading to a five and seven finish in 2022 and the 101st ranking in scoring offense with really talented weapons. Guys like Evan Stewart, guys like Chris Marshall, guys like Anaya Smith, Moose Muhammad. That wasn't going to cut it. So he made a change and brought in Bobby Petrino. Petrino's offense was working, but there still were uh, mitigating flaws across the roster, including the offensive line, defensive inconsistencies at linebacker and in secondary play, and definitely led to the ultimate firing of Fisher because of he wanted to hitch his wagon to his morals, his values, his ethics. Now a change is coming, and it's a necessary one. It's one that many fans projected would be the case after Fisher was fired following a win against Mississippi State. Mike Elko. Mike Elko is a bread and butter, no-nonsense defensive guru who will get the best version out of his players, regardless of the level of competition. And if you don't believe me, Texas A&M doesn't need you to believe them either, because they've seen it unfold in their their time working together. Elko was the defense coordinator for four years underneath Jimbo Fisher in 2018 to 2021, before he got the job at Duke. And you got to remember, Texas A&M's defense was the reason why they were competitive in 2020 and nearly made to the college football playoff. They had the number two ranked run defense, and a year later, they had the number three ranked scoring defense, which ultimately was a major factor for the university to hire Elko back from Duke after going 16-9 and during his two seasons. Oh, and by the way, let's also add in the fact that Duke is not known as a football school. They were coming off a back-to-back, lackluster seasons underneath David Cutcliffe. And within one season, Elko goes and turns them into a nine-win roster that wins a bowl game and he becomes ACC Coach of the Year. So that's now your leader in command, and you know that he is going to get the best version out of these players, mainly because he recruited half of them. But the question turns to, is this enough hype to say that this is a team that could be top 25? One thing that I've always noticed with Texas A&M is they will put the wagon before the horse. They always think that they are the bee's knees. They are the top-notch team because of the recruiting, because of the transfer portal, because of NIL funds. They've embraced what is the future of college football. Nobody can take that away from them, but results have not been kind over the last two years. Five and seven finished in 2022, seven and five finished during the regular season in 2023. The last two seasons, quarterback play has been absolutely abysmal. And it's really not their fault. It's due to the offensive line inconsistencies. That was a turnstile underneath Steve Adasio, which good news—he's no longer coaching the offensive line. Adam Cushing, who just developed Graham Barton into a first-round talent, will now be running the show in College Station, and the offensive consistencies maybe are going to pick up now because if you have a legit coordinator that is going to have full control of the playbook in Colin Klein. Klein is known for what he did back when he was a player at Kansas State. More importantly. He was able to get the best version out of Avery Johnson and Will Howard the last two years. Kansas State won the Big 12 title. That's a guy now leaving your offense for whether Connor Wegman takes over as the full-time starter, Jalen Henderson. You want to go with maybe another guy that comes in like Miles O'Neill. You have options at quarterback. And this could be an open competition because, again, it's Elko's team. He can do whatever he wants. But we always put the wagon before the horse when it comes to Texas A&M. Top 25 ranking, top 25 ranking, top 25 ranking. You think after a while we would learn, maybe lower the expectations that way when you hit your overall goal, fans are really excited. They believe that this is a team that could enter the year with absolute expectations of making it to the college football playoff. And then you don't have to worry about when you finish eight and four. You project to be an eight and four team and you finish eight and four, you did your job. But going into the year, Texas A&M has the preseason win total of eight and a half.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Is that a little high? Somewhat, especially when you don't know what most of this roster is. AM is a top 25 returning roster according to ESPN's Bill Connolly with returning production, and they have some really qualified players who could eventually become household names in the SEC. Moose Muhammad was hindered by the offensive play calling underneath Jimbo Fisher, but he was a four-star wide receiver coming out of Charlotte and could be the replacement for Anaya Smith. Jahade Walker was phenomenal in replacement for Evan Stewart most of the season. And you have three running backs headlined by Ruben Owens and Amari Daniels, plus Le'Veon Moss, that really could be difference makers taking pressure off of a guy like Connor Wegman, who is coming off a season ending surgery. They also went out and they added in a ton of players. Like the transfer portal for Mike Elka this year was like, one, little, two, little, three, little transfer, four, little, five, little, six, little transfer. Let's add another, another transfer. Oh, we got 24, and that's what they have going into twenty 24 new players that will don the maroon and white this season, some of which are going to be plug-and-play starters, especially on the defensive side. You get Big Ten sack leader Nick Scowerton joining in College Station, a place that he knows far too well because he grew up right down the road in Bryant. You also bring over a guy like Jaden Hill, the Florida cornerback, Scooby Williams, the plug-and-play linebacker who has their experience working underneath Jay Bateman, the new defensive coordinator, and Will Lee was a plug-and-play defensive back that actually got great results when on the field last season at Kansas State. So all of them should come in and be bona fide starters from the jump. The question turns to, is that enough for you to feel confident? To me, this comes down to three main things. Number one, offensive line play the quarterbacks were always under pressure, which led to injuries, which led to constant change at the position. Go back to 2022. You had to start off the year, Haynes King. Then you turn to Max Johnson, who by week five is out with a thumb injury. Then you turn back to King and Connor Wegman has to close out the year in a five and seven lackluster finish. Last season, Wegman wins the starting job. Week four, he's out for the remainder of the year due to a foot injury. Johnson comes in, he gets plastered in the ribs, which leads to Jaden Henderson coming in, which eventually leads to you having to turn to yet another quarterback in the bowl game against Oklahoma State. The offensive line has got to be better. They have the talent. They have exceptional talent, whether it be Trey Zune, Ruben Fathery, Chase Basantis, names coming on in this upcoming year, Mark Naboo, Cam Dewberry. All these guys were four-star talents. Now it just turns to what are the best five starting linemen that Adam Cushing can present Every single week that you go up against SEC competition. Number two, who's the legit number one receiver? Everyone thought Evan Stewart was going to be the guy. I thought Evan Stewart was going to be the guy. Most of you thought Evan Stewart was going to be the guy. Well, he might be. Just with Eugene Oregon's Ducks because of the Ducks now have him as their no bonafide number one receiver and replacement for Troy Franklin. Nice, bit that's gone. So the security blanket is out and Max Wright is a qualified tight end. But do you really feel confident in another player stepping up? To me, that turns to a Walker. That turns to potentially an Isaiah Williams, the four-star player out of a, out of Florida. That also turns to a Moose Muhammad. That could turn to a uh, that could turn into a uh, 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 Micah Tease. Multiple players need to step up and prove that they can be a security blanket for Wegman, for Henderson, for Maddox, for O'Neal, for whoever is QB one going into 2024. And the final thing. How quickly can this roster gel together? Yeah, there's a ton of returning talent, all four stars and five stars. People seem to forget that Texas A&M had back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes before they landed the King's ransom of the 2022 greatest recruiting class of all time. A lot of those players are no longer on the roster, NIL purposes, whatever we want to talk about, but this is still a team that features former four-star capable talent that likely would start anywhere else in the SEC. So how quickly can those players along with the 24 new transfers gel together to build one cohesive roster? The last thing that you want to do is go into the year and feel like that you're playing with two different teams. The Texas A&M team that last year trudged their way to a seven and five finish, couldn't get over the hump against Alabama, couldn't get over the hump against LSU, couldn't get over the hump against Ole Miss. And then the team that is coming on in players that are going to elevate the overall roster status but definitely leave some trepidation. Then you look at the schedule to me. The schedule, there's not really a game that you feel is an automatic loss, but is there a game that you feel like an automatic win? Start out the year against Notre Dame at home, then McNeese State, Florida, Bowling Green, go to Arlington to take on Arkansas in the Southwest Classic, return back to Kyle Field to take on Missouri, Mississippi State, LSU, South Carolina, New Mexico State, Auburn and Texas to close out the year. Of those games, you could probably say, at least seven of them are toss-ups. Missouri's probably a toss-up, not knowing what their roster is going to be. Auburn's a toss-up. Mississippi State is a toss-up. And I would probably at least throw Florida, South Carolina, and more than likely Arkansas into the mix. Wins, I would say probably McNeese State. Bowling Green, probably Mississippi State leans more so in favor of a win. And then, of course, you got to throw on New Mexico State late in the year. Do you feel like that your roster is built qualified enough by the season's end to be able to contain with an Auburn, to be able to contain with a Texas, to be able to march into Williams-Price Stadium and take down South Carolina. It's a big year for not only Mike Elko, but it's a big year for all these other coaches starting to feel the pressure. Shane Beamer is one of them, and he's been able to cook on Texas A&M the last few seasons. So is this a year where he gets back in the winner's circle and Texas A&M has a little bit of trepidation? I think it's way too early to put Texas A&M in any top 25 ranking. Not saying that they can't be a team that's really well put together. In fact, you look at this roster, they may be the surprise team in the SEC. Would it shock you to see Connor Wegman fully healthy, lead the SEC in passing yards? Would it shock you to see an offensive line that isn't a complete and total mess actually hold their block long enough to create separation for wide receivers to break downfield running backs to find open creases for substantial gains and a defense led by Mike Elko that even in the big, I mean, even in the ACC, they drastically turned the corner with lesser talent in Durham. I mean, this was a roster that finished 121st in run defense. They were 121st in scoring, 115th in total yards allowed. And then... They ended up finishing inside the top 50 in every single metric and only built off that a year later going seven and five. They can have the results that I think everyone is expecting. The question turns to how quickly can this team gel? How quickly can this team build and how quickly can they have one mind, one notion, and one ultimate end goal? Until I see it unfold, it's very challenging to say Texas A&M is a preseason top 25 team. I'd probably say that they were a top 50 team, maybe even a top 40 team. But you have to realize that expectations need to drastically be simmered just for the start of the year. As the year progresses, you can start saying, we don't need to lose this game. We don't need to fall apart in this game. But for now, until we see everything start to really mesh together, spring practice will give us a better inclination of that. It's hard to say that Texas A&M belongs in any preseason top 25 ranking. Hey, to bring it to the Aggies, you're a good team. You can be a great team underneath Mike Elko. It just may take a season or two to get things rolling in underneath the belt Kyle Field. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down below, the ring notification. That way you don't miss a single episode of SEC Unfiltered. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast listing systems. Follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Follow my YouTube channel at Mr. Cole Thompson. Follow us on social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at SEC Unfiltered. And for all your great SEC content, make sure you check out secunfiltered.com. I'm Cole Thompson. Until next time, later folks.